Hey everybody, Remnant Revealed, we're back again, R&R, Mr. Rick Snyder and Chris Holland, we're here to share with you and uh, just uh, discuss some things that we've been noticing uh, throughout our communities and across our nation, really around the world. We've been getting good feedback. We have been. Uh, a lot of people liking what they've seen in the first uh, couple uh, podcast episodes uh, since we've been doing these, and it's kind of uh, supporting what we thought we would see, which was uh, people having a hunger, a desire uh, for what we're talking about, which is um, pointing them <clears throat> back to something that they can uh, get something from and yeah. also uh, provide to others. Something they can put their finger on and their mind on and uh, settle some issues of their heart. And, of course, you know, an anchor goes into the ground and holds what's floating above it uh, on point. Right. And uh, so I think these things we're talking about is really a fresh anchor. Uh, we, we don't want to get destroyed on the rocks of life. I remember one time uh, my son Preston and I, we were fishing in a uh, – <clears throat> I've got a little bass boat, and it got real, real windy. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about, I said, well, son, let's take a break. We'll go around the cove here, anchor down, and uh, we'll take a little nap because we've been fishing hard, uh, long hours, and getting up early, going to bed late, and catching a lot of fish. But we were already tired. It's like the third day. So we went around this little cove. It was only the cove on the, only one on the lake. Right. And and anchored down, but I didn't realize it was the dam cove right oh where the dam was oh okay all right so we noticed it and i said well it's okay we'll hold here tight well it was a sandy bottom Mm -hmm. and so after about an hour or so of taking a nap i woke (laughs) to realize i was hearing the sound of water right and the boat was closer to the dam than what was healthy right and uh, so i said hey uh, pull that anchor up I'll take the trolling motor and motor us up just a little ways. We'll throw it out again. Well, I started out with the trolling motor and got the boat turned enough for him to release the anchor, and the trolling motor quit working. Okay. Now, of course, the so wind— So now you got nothing controlling you. Nothing. Nothing. Other than the water and the wind. Thank you. And it's <laughs> blowing us towards the dam. <clears throat> Not a good place to be. So I said, it's okay. I'll jump down, start the big motor, 200 horsepower Mercury. It'll pretty much get you out of trouble, right? So I jumped back to the seat, hit the switch, nothing. I don't even, not a click, not a buzz, no chirp like you normally hear when you go to start your boat motor, nothing. And we're progressing more and more and more towards the dam. So you know. So now no anchor, no trolling motor, and no power. Thank you. And the water temperature was like uh, 42 degrees. Good yeah. times. You're not going to swim to shore. So I said, evidently, I left something on, and the cranking battery has gone dead. Look in that compartment right there and hand me the jumper cables. There's a little pack of jumper cables there. I'll jump the motor off of the trolling motor. He said, you mean like that little bag that had, like, battery cables in it? I said, yes. How do you know about that? He said, oh, well, my brother borrowed them the other day. Or it was sometime back, and he forgot to put them back. Mm. There's none there. Mm-hmm. They're empty. Mm-hmm. So while he's working the anchor, kind of walking us, uh, if we could, closer to the bank, I'm trying to rush and quickly switch a whole battery out with another battery. So now you're no, 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 no motor. No motor. No, no anchor. trolling motor. No, no power. No and po- no connection. Thank you. We're in trouble bad. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Imminent demise. Those would be the words. And uh, so thankfully... I got the battery over there close enough, got it connected, the motor fired up, and we pulled out of there. Of course, it was the end of our fishing day because I had to dismantle the whole boat to mm-hmm. just about. I know it's mm-hmm. a little embellishment, but. And go change your drawers. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. 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 So, you know, faith is really your anchor. 
when we talk about, I think the last time we were together, we talked about uh, believe but verify, right? Yeah, trust but verify. Trust but verify. Mm -hmm. And faith is really your anchor that keeps you founded and grounded in the issues of life when storms hit, when the wind's blowing very strong, right? right? And you're headed towards a very bad, tumultuous situation. Right. Um, the the thing that got us in trouble wasn't that our anchor wasn't there. It was there. Uh, it was what we were anchored in. Mm-hmm. And that was sand. Mm-hmm. So it didn't hold. So when we trust uh, in order to verify, uh, it's it's important that that trust is there. Right. Um, I talk to a lot of officers right now, and I mean a lot, that that their faith is really shaken uh, because they they're taught and trained that their faith is in their brotherhood, their faith is in their physical abilities, their faith is in knowing what to do in a very critical situation. You know, the faith we put in our training, right? That's right. All the training that we get, all the things that we're taught through the academy, uh, through our field training officer, uh, through experience, uh, handling severe situations over and over and over and over again, builds a certain level of trust in our life. But what we're seeing now and the assault that we're seeing against uh, law enforcement and against those who uphold the law is severe. And it's severe enough now that those things seemingly are not working or being assaulted to the very depth of who law enforcement officers are. Right. The deepest honor and integrous place of their heart their very spirit is being assaulted. Well, how do you fight spiritual things? You can't fight it with your duty belt and your duty weapons, and you can't fight it with your mind uh, because it goes another level deeper than that. It's interesting that you say that because that's exactly what I hear from fellow officers all the time now, right, is that the normal tools of the trade are not working. Thank you. And what do you do, you know? So... We're always going to adapt and improvise and overcome, right? But uh, how do you how do you step either through that challenge or around that challenge in a way that you can keep moving forward and uh, not only accomplish what you're out there to do, but do it in a way that preserves order, preserves our communities, preserves safety, but also preserves the officer themselves, their actual being, their, their spirit being, if you will. And here again, that's what we keep always finding ourselves being drawn back to which is uh it's it's something more than just your physical well-being your mental emotional well-being it's really again the heart of the matter and the spiritual well-being of the officer but oftentimes what i find that officers say is in what i do i can't find how is that connected to what we're talking about from this biblical perspective of policing and uh, and how do we we were saying with the with the example you were t- sharing about being in the boat right right when you don't have that right connection you then don't have the power that you need right that's right to be able to direct and navigate the waters if you will right and, and by being anchored uh, to the proper uh, place the proper one well you you are at the mercy of your circumstances always back to what we were saying circumstances don't dictate our character and so yeah you know really kind of the dovetail from our 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 last last discussion on character we talked we really ended that with talking about well well whose character and often our officers find that hey i'm flawed i'm broken i'm not a good example of the character i would hope to have the whole point is and the whole message is is that you can lay that down and pick up the character of the one who who, who heals the broken. That's right. Who is perfect in character. That's right. None of us are perfect in character. Uh, we, If you're going to determine your ability to function and watch over righteousness and be a righteous guard, you have to realize that your character isn't perfect. I don't care how perfect you think you can try to be. Right. It's not going to be perfect. But there is one who is perfect. 
and he is the one that holds the anchor. That's right. He's the one you can cast your anchor on. Uh, we're talking about Jesus the Christ. He's the one that you can cast your anchor on, uh, and uh, and he's the rock. That's right. And you can hold firm in him, knowing that you're not perfect, but that he is. And, you know, we're talking about this individual. Uh, again, what I hope to do in these podcasts is always be that perspective of the officer back to you as a faith leader, sure. as somebody providing guidance and really kind of pointing us back to this roadmap, the owner's manual, um, and helping us make that connection. So what we were talking about today, which is trust but verify, is how can officers not just – in the last discussion we had, we talked about putting trust in what we are saying, but ultimately what we're saying is putting your trust in the one who we're talking about. And so – I can tell you one of the things that cut my heart the deepest was when I heard somebody pointing out, how how, how can I trust as an evidence-based person, right? Right. That this person we're talking about actually even existed. And one of the strongest convicting things that I ever heard is we're all telling by, time by the existence of him. Right. Right? And, and I thought, what's that mean? Well, uh, right now we're talking. It's calendar year what, 2021? 2021. Which means that if you count that backwards, 2021, 2020, which was a rough year, Ooh. 2019, 2018, keep going. Could we scratch that one out? That's right. Yeah. We keep going all the way back. It eventually leads to year one. Well, the ultimate question is, and it should be for any officer, is, well, what happened in year one, right? Because... We're actually telling time, as we know, based off of year one moving forward, but there was a whole batch of years before year one. Sure. So what occurred there, right? Yeah. And uh, everything that occurred after that we call 2021 A.D., Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord, Lord. Um, which means that we're telling time by the existence of this guy. And all the years before he got here, we call all the years before he got here, before Christ. Christ. Yeah. That was powerful to me. It was a huge revelation I just never even thought about. Even people huh. who don't believe in God are telling time by him. They're writing their they're dating <laughs> right. their checks by him. They're Thank you. they're dating their police reports by him. Right. Uh maybe it would be helpful to get to know him a little bit, yeah. find out a little mo bit more about Understand him. Understand that. And yeah. that there is true historical evidence and documentation not only of his existence, but the things that he did while he was here. And the best one is captured in documented books within this book of books that we call the Bible. And we talked a little bit about that last time. Uh, you explained how to kind of navigate through this Bible. This Again, I keep calling it a roadmap or an owner's manual or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, because it is. It's not a rule book. Right. A lot of people have a very definite wrong picture and, and I'm sure it's because of what some people have said, of what this is. It's really an instruction manual. It's like a manual you got at the academy. It's like a manual that you get when you go to continuing education courses, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a road, it's a road map. You call it a road map. I always call it an instruction manual. Mm -hmm. Now, us guys, we don't like to use instruction manuals. We try, you know, we we like to feel like we put the bicycle together on Christmas morning. However, by ourselves, by ourselves, yeah. And the two <laughs> wheels are up front, and your child can't understand why it's dragging on the ground when you're right, missing one pedal, and you got right. extra parts. But this really is an instruct. It's a it's a love instructional manual from God on how to live and enjoy life on this planet and how to be the very best at whatever you are and that also applies to law enforcement officers how to be the very best police officer you can be on this planet you know the very first police officer was in the garden of eden very first one with a flaming sword with their duty weapon god put angels to protect and guard the Garden of Eden and to keep anyone from coming in. Very first ones were from heaven, hmm. God's officers of the law. Hmm. Um, uh, Michael, the angel Michael, watches over and is in charge of all the troops that are the protective 
police officers of heaven and earth, angels of the entire existence of life. And you know, here we go again, officers know of Michael. How many right? challenge coins do we challenge have with coins, Michael? Challenge coins, little medallions that we hang from our uniforms or our car In our or whatever. Car. Oh, yeah. Right? But it almost, unless you really know the not just the story but the truth behind that, it starts to really become like a good luck charm or something right. such as that. That's it's right. so much more powerful than a rabbit's foot. Yeah. That's right. It really is getting to know what that is all about. And so I hope that's what this can become. Remnant Revealed is speaking to that remnant of officers out there that are, rather than getting bogged down in the daily circumstances that surround them, right. they know that that doesn't dictate who they are, but something someone does, and they're they're focusing, they're looking up above the fray, right? They're, 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 they're setting their eyes and their thoughts above all that that's going on around them. But in doing that, we want to help them understand and identify what that draw is and what it is that uh, speaks louder uh, speaks louder than what's around them. And that's the truth. That's right. And so, you know, how exciting mm-hmm. it is when you can say, I've always kind of known about the uh, angel of Michael, the protector the, the guardian there, right? And then also um, seeing him in, in images and all these other things. But you have the opportunity to actually learn about that sure. and understand where that comes from. Well, there's therein lies the unseen realm, right? That is right. Because the unseen realm is what you deal with every day as a police officer. That's right. You know evil's out there. You know they're making plans. You know they're getting ready to do something, right? You know you're going to get a call, and evil abounds in our communities, in our nation, in our world. You don't know what they're doing. You you know, based off of things you've dealt with before through experience, that they're out there making plans. You also have to make plans. You also have to prepare yourself. Evil is being prepared. Evil is preparing to rob, they're preparing to steal, they're preparing to kill, they're preparing drugs, they're, they're, they do that in the dark. There is, a, there is a hidden agenda of evil people on this planet. That's why we have law enforcement officers who plan tactics and they prepare cases and they do things in, in, in hidden so that they can deal with those things that are also hidden. Right. There is a there's a realm that is not seen. Mm-hmm. We like to deal with what is seen. We want to see things first. However, everything in life is built from faith. Mm-hmm. The car you drove here today, somebody had to believe that a car could be made. Well, where did that idea come from? Well, it came from what wasn't seen. Mm -hmm. A car had never been seen. Mm -hmm. People were riding horses. And until someone had that come out of their spirit, hey, we we could have something that is powered by gas, fuel, uh, a combustion engine. Those things aren't seen until they're revealed by faith. The chair you're sitting in right now, someone had to believe that that chair made out of plastic and with metal and ball bearings and little wheels on the boat, somebody had to believe that into existence. And then I had to believe to have the confidence to sit in it, right? Thank you very much. Right. I mean, you know, we're not small guys. We, we take a lot of faith to sit in a chair. But what is not seen is greater than what is seen. Well, and think about that from an officer's perspective. What are we always really stressing to them is getting the unseen into the scene for your safety, right? What do we teach them? Surveillance. Always watch the oh yeah, watch always watch six. the hands, yeah. right? Oh yeah, and uh, uh, why? Because when those hands are concealed, we can't see what they're doing, grabbing, right, getting ready to use to use against the <clears throat> officer or whatever that may be. So, our officers already inherently know that they're constantly. During the middle of the night when they're out on patrol and they're driving down that dark alley, the value and the power of shining the light. 
lighting up that which is unseen, bringing revelation right. to that. And so we know that uh, we keep our eyes fixed, focused on the unseen. That, again, is above the fray, not getting distracted by what's going on over here to where we miss the real threat or the real opportunity that is in front of us. Right. And so I think I think there again is the power. And, you know, in our last, as we were ending the last uh, uh, episode, we were talking about there was a story in the Bible that actually talks about an officer, that talks about a cop, right? And talks about an interaction of that officer, the captain, the centurion, whatever you want to call him. It's right. referred differently in different parts of the the Bible and also different translations right. that um, uh, there was an officer that did interact with this person who we are telling time by, right. um, and, and it's recorded in those books in historical fact. And that was a, a, a captain who uh, approached Jesus and um, took the step of faith to ask him to heal his son or his servant, depending on the translation right. that you look at. Uh, I, I think there's value when an officer hears that. At least for me, it piques my curiosity. If you're telling me there's a story of a cop in the Bible, uh, I'd like to hear more about that. So how can we start to direct our officers to that in this instruction manual and let them see that for themselves? I know that uh, one of the first uh, intimations of the story is in uh, the book of Matthew, and you had shared in previous episodes, the book of Matthew is in the New Testament. It's right. the first book of the New Testament in most right. translations. And Matthew 8 is where we find this this story of uh, faith of the Roman officer. Um, could you walk us through that? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, Jesus deals with him uh, with great love and great care. But this guy comes to Jesus and he says, um, my, my servant's at home. Now, Jesus can't see his servant, right? Mm -hmm. So it's what's not seen. My servant's at home and he's sick. Uh, I think Matthew says sick of the palsy, mm -hmm. which, which, you know, palsy's like, it was, it's like an epileptic seizure that doesn't stop. I mean, you're shaking, you're, right. you're. You know, you you have no control. You couldn't hold a cup. You're, and uh, and he's, but another word he uses is he says he's grievously tormented. Right. He's just, and this guy is tormented. Uh, we've seen some people that have just literally tormented by their own body, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and Jesus says to him, "Well, I'll come and heal him." And uh, and and the guy says, "This cop says, well." Just like cops would, well, no, hold on, man. I, you know, you, you don't have to come to my house, right? Right. I can hear this guy say, because yeah. you know, police are like, no, dude. You know, there's only certain people that come to my house, right? So this is in Matthew eight, which is the chapter we talked about Correct. this. So let's walk through this. We've got the book of Matthew. The right. chapter is eight, and it really picks up in verse five. Right. Um, again, so, kind of like the code book. I was right? going to say it's kind of like reading the uh, the You've code. Got your title, your section, your, your section, your subsection, yeah. and your yeah, yeah, and your points. So we're in the book of Matthew, chapter eight, verse five is where it picks up, and then uh, and Matthew is right after the great Italian book called Malachi. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it's really Malachi, it's right. the last book of the Old Testament, but Matthew comes in right after that. And he tells him, uh, "I'm I'm not even worthy. You know how cops are. I, listen, I'm I'm the last guy that you should be concerned about. I mean, you know, officers are always concerned about everybody else. Um, hmm. And Jesus, he doesn't say, well, you're right. You're a dirty, stinking dog is what you are. Jesus doesn't start pointing out all of his negative issues, all of his problems, all the things. Jesus doesn't read his list of sins or all this guy's done. Which is what many officers fear or think of. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, the, the, the cool part about this guy is he understands the word of authority, mm -hmm. which is every officer, you know, I have officers in my church, they're all, uh, they, they all understand how authority works mm -hmm. in the chain of command. 
and and we've got military guys too, and they get that too because they're used to command and response, right? Right. So this guy says, "No, I know how this works. You, you just you just speak it, you know, just like I do with my recruits or with my uh, with the recruit that that's with me as an FTO officer. I'm just going to tell them what to do, and I expect them to do it." No questions asked. Just do it. Right. Right? And so he says, if you'll just speak the word, it's going to work. Now, that's faith because he is his vision of Jesus is one who is in authority. Now, here's a cop looking at a, looking at a, a rabbi, uh, a, a teacher, so to speak, of a that faith day, leader. a faith leader, and saying, no, listen, this is not my realm of authority. This is yours. Right, which is often what we do it's when often we, what we do. find ourselves talking to a chaplain. Yeah, this right. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, could you get in? <laughs> I hear this all the time. Could you get in touch with your boss and ask him if he'll do such? That's such? right. That is. I right. get tickled. Or we're on a run and we call you because we say, "Hey, this is your. Yeah, this, this is, is your, your deal here. Yeah, not ours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he says, uh, "You just speak the word. I know it'll be done. Now that's powerful. That is powerful." Because many times officers, oh, Lord, Jesus, help them. They're out in the middle of an intersection trying to direct traffic. They point at somebody and point the direction for them to go. And inadvertently, that person stops in the middle of the intersection or almost runs over the officer. You know the officer's saying, could you just do what I said? That's right. Could you just go that way? Not out of control, or no. it's because of the safety. Everybody's got to yeah, keep moving. You're going to kill me. You or, just slam on your people. brakes. Yeah. Thank you. So he says to them, he says to Jesus, just speak the word only, and my servant is going to be healed. I know it in my heart. See, I think officers have an even greater ability to understand the kingdom of God and faith yeah. because they already understand how authority works right and the kingdom of god this unseen realm that we know exists every officer has seen or dealt with a case or knows when they've looked into the eyes of a heinous criminal and they've seen something from an unseen realm in those eyes Mm -hmm. that they know is not human if you don't believe me uh just sit down and talk with the detective of homicide or right. or molestation or child abuse, whatever. Mm-hmm. You look in their eyes, you see that criminal, that that person, excuse me, I guess I should say to be politically correct, uh, the the possible criminal. No, that's, you, you look in their eyes and you're like, dude, they got something else in there. There's right. somebody else in there that is not human. It's the unseen realm. It's so, the spirit of evil. It's the spirit of evil. Yeah. Now that spirit, your Bible's very clear where that spirit comes from. This book, this instruction book, gives you instruction and knowledge and wisdom and understanding on a realm that you know exists, but you don't see with your natural eye. You see the fruit of it by your natural eye, but you don't see the fruit of it uh, because a lot, uh, excuse me, you see the fruit of it, but you don't see what's going on sometimes because it's happening in an unseen realm. But you'll see the man, what we call the word manifestation of that, right? Right. It manifests itself. So this centurion, this cop, he says, you, you speak the word. Hmm. Now, whatever's working in this unseen realm that you got, preacher man, rabbi, chaplain, I know it's going to work all the way over at my house with my servant. So this could even be like a captain coming to this guy, Jesus, and saying, hey, you know what? I've been seeing what you've been doing, um, and I've got a problem with you know, this as a son, a servant. It could be even like a patrol officer, yeah, right? i got yeah. one of my officers that's having a Not problem, doing good. Yeah. and I'm seeing what you've been doing. I'm, I'm going to believe that you can do that. If you speak the word to help him, right? I was in a meeting, and I had a guy come up for prayer in a meeting one time. Didn't know him from Adam. Didn't even speak his language. He came up through the interpreter. He says, my daughter 
lies at home dying from cerebral malaria. If you know anything about malaria, that is not the kind you want. Hmm. That is that's certain death. Hmm. And he said, "I'd like for you to come uh, and to my house, and, and and would you come pray for?" Her? And I told him, "I said no, but I will pray for your hands. And when you go home, you lay your hands on her head, and you say what I tell you. In other words, pray. You mm-hmm. say what I tell you, and I know she'll be made whole." Jesus is going to touch her and make her whole. Well, that's a bold statement, right? It's a step of faith. Step of faith. But but I knew in my heart that this was the Lord telling me to tell this man that. He goes home. He comes back the next night with the daughter rejoicing. Right. He said I. she was burning up with fever. He tells us through the interview, he said, I laid my hands on the side of her head like you said, and I said the words you told me to say. And he said, Within an hour, she got up and was out washing the car, saying, I'm getting it ready to go to church with you tomorrow night, Dad. So for the the, uh, officer that listens to that and says, wow, whatever, right? That's not about you. That's about faith and something that has a healing nature to it. And I would say this to officers. We've all seen it before. Sure. I've seen officers critically injured. I've even seen an officer that was so badly injured that the surgeon said there's a 1% 1 chance that this officer can survive. And I know that officer. And what did we do? We went to our knees in prayer. That's right. Praying to those, uh, praying to the one in the unseen realm for us that we were placing our faith in him to bring a healing nature to that officer. Um, and also to bring wisdom and discernment to the medical professionals exactly. who are going to provide that healing to the officer through their hands. Of what to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, <laughs> everyone who uh, stood in faith and in prayer for that knows uh, that the outcome is that officer is alive today. That's 1%. Right. 1%. 1%, 1% chance. Alive today. And I always say this, you know, well, what were the odds, you know, uh, uh, uh uh, somebody who is uh, who doesn't want to believe or wants to believe that it's not possible would say the odds were one percent. For those of us who stood in faith, we knew the odds were one hundred percent. Exactly. And and that's the key. And that's that's exactly what this captain is doing with Jesus in this story. And you can't say that he survived due to the seen realm, because the seen realm. That's right. Um, he he didn't even know he was here. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know he was still on the planet. Mm-hmm. The seen realm, all of the things that were seen said, he's not going to survive this. Correct. However, the unseen realm of the spirit is what brought that life and helped it sustain his life in his body. And those doctors even said, the only thing that can explain this is it was a miracle. miracle. That's right. That's Just right. as what we're seeing right Just here. Just like the this, right? So he says uh, to this uh, to this centurion, uh, he says, "Okay, uh, I'll I'll do it." So he does it. Jesus isn't into denying you; he wants you to. the 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 cop says in verse nine, "For I am a man under authority." Having soldiers, you might say he was a commander on Southeast District or North District or something, uh, and he has officers under his command. Having soldiers under me, I say to this man, go, he does it. I say to this man, come, he comes to me. To my servant, do this, he does it. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled. And he says to everybody around him. Jesus says. Jesus says, I have not found so great a faith. No, not even in the whole country, as what this cop just said. Hmm. Not even in the <laughs> synagogues, not no, even in the houses no. of worship. Everywhere. Not, not even, not the high priest, not the ones offering sacrifice. He said, I have not found, which tells me Jesus looks for our faith. Hmm. He, he, was, he looked for faith in people. No, not in Israel, I say unto you, which Israel's a country, that many shall come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
but the kingdom of but the children of the kingdom uh, shall be cast out into utter darkness. Uh, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But he says, go thy way, and as you have believed, he says this to the cop, you go your way, as you have believed, so be it unto you. So, it, so Jesus is telling him, because of your faith and because you believed that I, Jesus, could do that, right? It's it's been done. It's done. It's a done deal. Go your way. Now that's in the book of Matthew. If we go over to the book of no, well, wait a minute. Let's finish I'm, this story. I'm sorry. And his servant was healed in that self same hour. It happened. And so that's why I want to go over to the book of John, because over there it tells. So let, let me ask you that. So there's these these different books in the New Testament, and the first four books which are referred to as the Gospels, right? Right. right. Um, really all kind of seem to tell the same story over and over and over again. Right. Why is that? Why is that in here? Why does well, it repeat itself? Well, because there were different authors of the— this is what makes this book so powerful. You have different authors at different times, at different parts of the country, that that all wrote not knowing each other, not knowing all these— st- but all of them wrote from a different perspective, but yet all of them tie in together for the same purpose and the same stories. Some of it may be a little bit different. They may use different terms sometimes in, in their story writing, but the same way would be with you and me, right? So what you're saying is we've got these four witnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Right? And what's most important and they're witnesses to what witnesses this this guy Jesus who we believe to be Lord right and that we're telling time by right walked this earth two thousand twenty one years ago right um they're telling their eyewitness stories each one is a little different but they all show veracity right truthfulness in what right. occurred that sounds <clears throat> to me like when uh an officer's on the scene. And they start canvassing the neighborhood and talking to various witnesses. Every witness isn't going to tell the exact same thing because they're telling it from their perspective. Right. Right? But but if they're good witnesses and all telling the truth, there will be elements of their testimony that will absolutely dovetail together. Right? That will be... you. So a good detective takes those different perspectives and shows the commonality that they identified through those interviews, right? And also the differences. And if somebody isn't telling the truth, you've got four people saying this and this fifth person saying something that's not only a little different but is radically the opposite of what these are saying. You can also separate out those other... There you go. Those those unfactual, non-factual things. I guess my point in that is, especially when you're looking at this and you're saying okay I'm re- I read this book and the very second book is a lot the same just a little different the key point in here is that it not only points to the truth but this has been so tested that it's also been able to be verified that it it, it is not it's it's lacking error or untruthfulness or just a made up story Liter- literally this is the most scrutinized book in the world right you mentioned that in the last one. You said it was uh, the most scrutinized manuscript that is out there. That so is correct. That's saying beyond just being looking at it from just a purely religious document. Right. And it is the least errored book mm. in the ent- or manuscript in the entire world. That should carry a lot of weight. With should, I would think it would. I would think so, it would. So we go over here to— But ju- again, trust, but— Verify. Verify. That's right. Just so verify we're doing that. We go over to John 4. So we go to the book of John, the fourth chapter. So that's Matthew. We were in Matthew, Mark, right. Luke, and then and John. Then John. And so, if you go to the top of your Bible, this yeah. this is the this is an easy way to do this. Okay. Okay. If you go to the top of your Bible and you look, you'll see the name on the the names on both the left and the right margin at the top. And that's the name of the book. Name of the book. And you can take your thumb, bend the pages, and kind of flip. And your eye, as you do this, especially over time, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke. See, there's Luke. And then John. John. Now you flip to where chapter 5 starts, or Mm -hmm. 4 starts, And then you flip over. You'll see the big number at the beginning of of the chapter. Now, the Bible wasn't written in chapter or verse. Right. The Bible was written in letter form, or just like if you were writing your journal out, right? But then in order for you and I to understand and and memorize and get to know and and find scriptures easy, uh, then the numbers of the chapters and the numbers of the verses were added. Sometimes it's, that's great for finding something, but always make sure that you read three verses below and three verses above to make sure that you stay in context of any verse. So it's funny you say that because I I find myself always having to remind folks of that in law enforcement and in public discussions about law enforcement activities. I use this phrase a lot, right? Context before content, right? Rather than driving right in and and pulling out that singular verse and, and trying to make that verse speak to whatever the issue is you're talking about, Identify what the context is that that verse is within, which is what you're saying, three before, three after. Get the context for it before you really drill into what the true content is. So you keep rolling back three verses or rolling forward three verses if you still don't get the content. Right. sometimes it takes a whole chapter chapter. to bring whatever you read into context. Yeah. Well, and quite honestly, not to belabor the point, but there's also times where you're reading a verse in the New Testament and you need the context of the Old Testament to understand what it is saying. Right. So your Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, hidden. in other words, hidden, right. but it's there. Uh-oh. There's a common yeah. thread through right. the whole. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, remnant revealed. revealed. It's the Old wow. Testament <laughs> opens up. In the New Testament, plus the New Testament was written, like we just got through reading Matthew. Matthew, in his writings, he commented and mentioned the the, the he was trying to help his fellow uh, Jewish leaders to realize, and the Christians that were coming in to realize how many verses of the Old Testament pointed towards what he was sharing. So if you read Matthew, you'll find he quoted the Old Testament a lot to say, as it was written in Isaiah, as it was written in Jeremiah, as it was written in these books, he kept pointing back. Context before content. Context before content, pointing back to the Old Testament so they would know Hmm. this is why we now believe Jesus the Christ is God in the flesh, the Son of the living God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords we've been waiting on, the Messiah. So there's this thread, this remnant, if you will, that's woven throughout the Old Testament that then becomes fully revealed in the New Testament. Exactly. It's powerful, man. Powerful. All right, so John chapter 4, and uh, really picks up in verse 43, is this story again of Jesus, in, in, in my translation, says Jesus healing an official son. Uh, and it retells that story, but then it adds some additional um, to the story, picking up in verse 51. And it's still talking about the captain, the soldier, and it says, while he was on, this is from the New Living Translation, it says, while he was on his way, some of his servants, let's just say some of his officers under his command, met him with the news that his son, that patrol officer, was alive and well. So that's confirming what he had put his faith in Jesus being able to do earlier on in these verses up above. And then it says, but he then, he asked them when he had begun to feel better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock his fever uh, suddenly disappeared. Now in Jewish tradition, if I understand this correctly, chaplain, you're talking about time. One o'clock could also be seven because the in the Jewish Hebrew tradition, the start of the day was six, right? right. So when it says one o'clock, that could also be seven. Right. The point being first is, hour of the day. First or, hour of the day. Yeah. But the point being is that he is he trusted that Jesus could do what he said he was going to right. do. That was his faith. 
his faith is what actually unlocked or provided the ability for the healing to occur, right? right? But then he took this additional <clears throat> step, and he said, well, when did this happen? And they say the time, and it says, then he realized it was the same time that Jesus had told him, your son will live, and the officer and his entire household believed in Jesus. Now, what that tells me is that the captain trusted in the Lord, trusted that he could heal his officer, his servant, his son. And then when he got word that it occurred, he then verified that it occurred at the exact same time when Jesus said he was healed. Right. That is the trust, but verify that this officer, this captain, any good officer does. And in doing so, he actually um, used his faith in the beginning, had the verification and then it goes on to say that he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's powerful, man. That is powerful. That touched a whole house. That's one of the greatest cop stories I've heard. That's a good one. That's way better than anything yeah. you see on TV. Come on, man. Yeah. I love it. So that takes me back to this whole thing. So is this issue of faith? And is it really possible for us to weave in faith in what we do? Well, you do it every day anyway. You already have faith in <clears throat> in the things that you do every day. You you have to have faith in your tactics and your training. You believe they work. Right. Or you, you wouldn't do them. Or you wouldn't do them. Um, they have come to that in the academy and through your training. And, of course, new things come up. So let's let's talk about that for just a second. We have an officer who gets involved in a critical incident where they have to use force, or it could be, right. hey, I nearly died in a car crash, right? And I, Which mo- that's I utilized yeah. evasive uh, driving techniques that I had been trained on, all these other things. And invariably, when you talk to the officer, and you you're asking them, well, why did you do that, right? Why did you stand on the brakes? And work through that anti-lock braking system and steer. Why did you do that? Uh, I didn't even think about it. I just did what I was trained to do. So that tells me that the officer has placed faith in that training. And then in the hour <laughs> of, of need, of need yeah. utilize that faith, that training. Didn't even think about it. Didn't second guess it or hesitate. Right? We know as officers, right. hesitation can kill you. Right. We don't hesitate. We, we <clears throat> fall back on that training, our faith, and it gets us through. And you don't wait until you're in the crisis to say, hey, could somebody train me on how to get through this? Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you go through training ahead of time. That's why you qualify twice a year, but that shouldn't be the only time that you go to the range. Right. That's why you should... Uh, you know, in jiu-jitsu, they say roll and in other ways. That's why you should train uh, on certain tactics and hand-to-hand um, uh, combat issues and things that you do. That's why you should do those things on a continual basis so that you're fresh and ready to go at any moment. Because the worst time to need faith is when you need it. <laughs> Talk about that some more. Well, so, training. Training. The worst time to need training is when you need what the training provides at that moment. Um, So faith is like a muscle. It's built over time. It's strengthened over time. It's strengthened through repetition. It's strengthened through trusting that repetition work. Um, I I used to kind of laugh at guys that would come into the gym and and guys that work out in the gym and they they'll get this point officers that that lift weights or work out in the gym and you see a guy come in and and he, you can tell he's he's looking at all the guys that have kind of a muscular you know uh, physical body he's kind of watching and seeing and and you'll see him work out real hard and real fast Whew, oh man that oh that burns good and and yet they're not in there for the longevity, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, give them a couple of months. You know, January is the greatest time in the gym. Give them a couple of months, and you don't see them anymore. They want the results that someone who has been doing this every day, they want those results 
within a month or a week of coming to do what the discipline and the repetition has built Mm. uh, in someone who has a more muscular structure. Faith is the same way. If If you want to build your faith and your trust and you want to become stronger spiritually, you've got to work on that just like you do your physical and your mental strength. So to to keep from crossing wires here, if I if as the officer I'm listening to this, I also want to make sure that again, not just officers, but their family members and what I'm finding now is maybe even people in the community who are watching this, right? And right. seeing some value in these discussions and being able to apply it to their own lives is don't cross streams with the idea that it's about works to be to be saved, right? Some people think, well, I've like the gym scenario. You know, the harder I work, there's these gradations of sanctification and 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 and, and well, God saving grace. I know, buddy. I'm I'm laying <clears throat> it out, right? But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because people believe that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough, um, and I have not been good enough to be able to receive the blessings of God to be able. Just like this, right? I didn't see in here where Jesus said, "Well, you know, sure, you're 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 expressing faith now because you need me, right? Right. And let's talk about all these bad things you've done or the things you've been doing. Right. You've either been working toward this really well or working toward it really poor. I didn't read that anywhere in there. Well, there's there's a thing in Romans called the measure of faith that every man receives the measure of faith. Mm-hmm. This is what you get. God God loves you so much he gives you a starter kit, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like your instructor at the academy. Mm-hmm. They care about the recruits. They know they're getting ready to, to, to go through the academy, and, and they really care, and they start mentoring them. Uh, come on, you can do it. They share with them some things they can do up, up front before they actually get assigned in the academy, right? Some pre- uh, established things that mm-hmm. they can work on before they start going through the rigorous trials of the right. academy. Well, God also loves you and cares about you, and he gives you what the Bible calls the measure of faith. Everybody starts with the same measuring spoon. Hmm. Everybody starts with the same clump of clay. Everybody starts with the same same portion. Nobody's different than anybody else. God's regardless of what quality. we look like, regardless of any physical Where we come impediments. From, that's or, right. Right? So when we talk about building your faith, that's like the muscle. That's I'm talking about specifically uh, getting stronger within the faith that you have. If you have no faith, you you have to initially have that faith from God because if you don't, you don't have anything to start with. So God supplies that. Hebrews chapter 11 says in, in verse 6 that first you must believe that he is. Without faith, this is the verse, without faith it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is. So the very first measure of faith is believing that God is. That's present tense. And that's what this officer did right here. That's correct. He believed that Jesus could do what Jesus was doing and he, and said he would do and could do. He believed in him as God in the flesh, the Son of God. First, it starts with that. I believe. I believe in God. I don't just believe there is a God. I believe in God. And then it says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's the initial step of faith is believing that God is. No man can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's not about your works. You and I will never be good enough to earn heaven because we're judged according to God's character, not individuals. So again... So Not our own character. Thank you. Your character, you know, if if I had to get to heaven based on beating you out of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And so you and I are going to stand before God. God's going to look at Rick and look at Chris and say, eh, Rick's a shoe in. Mm-hmm. He's an intelligent guy. He's got it all working. He's done mostly good things. Uh, man, uh, Chris 
he's in trouble. This is bad. Um, that would be very bad because then that means I would have to try to outdo you to earn a spot in heaven. That's works. Our We stand equal no matter who we are before God because it's his character that you have to line up against. Now, officers, again, cops should be the first to understand this of anybody because we are cops and preachers for sure because we already we already critically judge our own life all the time mm-hmm. we already say we're unworthy well that's the first sign in your heart that you know you can't do it by yourself it's not condemning it's right. revealing it's revealing again remnant revealed it's revealing and should reveal to you and I that when we say well you not how many officers do I have? Oh, pastor, if I come to church, oh my gosh, lightning will strike the whole place. The building will burn down. Well, listen, it should have burned down with everybody that walked through the door then. Because we realize already that without him and what he did for us to forgive us of all sin, we don't have a chance. So, when I listen to you, it don't it then say, it sounds to me like our faith, like this captain demonstrated, his faith in Jesus, is like what we do when we put on our uniform. Absolutely, our uniform. We put on our before we put on our uniform. You know, we may look different. We come from different backgrounds. Uh, that's what I was saying earlier, right? It doesn't matter what you look like, right? What color you are. What any physical impediment you have a handicap, education, you, anything, it or any other impediments, no. education, poverty, any of those things. That's right. When you put on this uniform, we all then look the same, right? Right. And it represents that we are working for a common purpose. That's right. A common cause, if you will, yep. and 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 a placing a focus on that. And in that, we are one and of the same, right? That's right. Um. And so with that, you know, the Bible even talks about that. And I think that's what's important for the officers to understand that even if you're broken, even if you've got a, a troubled past, you're, you've got sins that you, you, you couldn't fit into this building because there's so many of them. Right. You have the opportunity, like this captain did, to place your faith in, in, in the one, the truth, right, that is represented right. here in this Bible, the Word, right? right? And in doing so, by placing your faith in Him, you immediately can put on this new man, this uniform, right? which is Him, His character. Right. And that's what keeps this uh, competitive thing uh, away from you and I or anyone else before God Himself, is that we're standing there in the uniform of the one that this captain talked to, and because of that, we can be viewed righteous, right? Well, I think that's one of the. I think it's one of the powerful statements for officers that we can make is don't confuse the character of the badge with the character of the human that's behind the badge. Right. Sometimes officers get those two things confused. It should actually work simultaneously or together. The character of the officer should always bring honor and continuity with the character of the badge. So that that officer's individual character doesn't tarnish the character doesn't of the badge. Doesn't tarnish the badge. This, is the, th- this explains Christ and putting him on. That's right. Is that he will adjust your character so that you uphold his character. In the beginning... Your character is not as strong as the character you put on. The The Bible would call it a robe of righteousness, that Jesus gives you a robe of righteousness. Let you and I say Jesus gives you a badge of heaven and a uniform of heaven. Um, when a person puts on the badge and the uniform of Christ, then they start working on the adjustments in their life mm-hmm. to become more like the character of the badge and the uniform that they put on in Christ. So <laughs> the first initial step in that is believing in God so 
you can diligently seek after him. When you do that, he begins to effectually work in your heart to align and adjust your character, no matter who you are, to be more like him. That's huge. There is there is so much statistical information that's available on the character of a human being once really touched by Christ and living by his principles that every police officer would love to police a society that is sold out to God through Jesus Christ because it would reduce crime to nothing. Uh, it would reduce even even disease. It would cut instantly. Even if you even if we just lived by the principles Jesus taught alone, it would reduce overnight over fifty percent of known diseases to man, just like that mm-hmm. overnight, instantaneously, because the character aligned with him would change so quickly. Just think about it. The Bible says that you should love your brother as yourself, your neighbor as yourself, right? Right. Well, that would cut out domestic violence because you can't get any closer to your brother than your wife or your husband or those that live with you. Instantly cut out domestic violence. You'd have to shut the department down. It would just be officers going to take a report on what all good things are taking place Mm -hmm. in that home, right? What about children honoring fathers and mothers, bringing honor to them, honoring them? Doesn't that mean that children would obey their parents? Doesn't There's a verse that says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and the first commandment with promise so that your days would be long upon the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of joining a couple of scriptures together, but that is the essence of that scripture. Just think about what if children obeyed their parents like they're supposed to? Mm-hmm. How quickly would our uh, JDC be emptied? Mm-hmm. Right? So my point is, this is a great instruction book. Believing in Jesus and in this book is not a weakness, it's a strength. Which we saw in the captain. Saw in the captain. Every officer would love to be an officer and dealing with righteousness in their community if people live by this book. No doubt about it. The things that officers have to see every day. I think, uh, you know, about the murders and, and the rapes and the and the, and the horrible things that happen to children uh, wouldn't be taking place. So this book is a, it's not a fantasy book. It's a book that will build your faith. This book, it is what touched this captain this great this great cop that came to jesus his word this is his word these stories the bible say are written so that we might have assurance of eternal life so that we might have assurance of the unseen realm that actually affects and plays out in the seen realm so so in uh one of a previous podcast, you mentioned that the book of Romans also is very revealing for, especially for officers and whatnot. And I know we're running out of time for this episode, but maybe in the, the next time we talk, there's a verse in there because it, it matches up with what we're talking about, right. which is this issue of whose character, putting on that uniform, putting on that new man. But it says, again, it's Romans and it's in chapter 8. And it's in verse 28, and it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, which is exactly what you're just talking That's about. What I'm talking about. So maybe in this next one we can talk about that, that part. To them who are called according to his purpose. We have said, every officer will tell you they were called to do this, That's and right. we ask the question, who does the who, calling? Who called you? To them who are called according to his purpose. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about that in terms of well, what is his purpose for the one who is called to stand that line that separates good oh, from yeah. evil, uh, order from chaos, and to be able to uh, defend the defenseless. And uh, I think that will really help connect a lot of those dots 
for our officers, for their families. Why, why is my loved one doing this, especially when oftentimes they're giving more than they're getting, including their own lives, um, and for the community as, at large as well, for other people to see these folks are, are, are called to do this, and, and what is it that they're called to do and for yeah. whose purpose? And I think it leads to the three most powerful words that one can ask themselves. According to, to who? who? So, man, yeah. I'm loving this. I think yeah. it's great. I think our people are getting yeah. a lot out of this, our people being our officers and their families. But the ripple effects of this is going to spread throughout our communities where residents get to see some of the unique characteristics and the challenges that our officers face. And I can't thank you enough for being willing to sit down and walk through, walk yeah. alongside here, not just with me, but with all of us. Well, first of all, it's it's my life. You know, I, I love it. And I love our officers and those who uh, stand on the thin blue line and do this great job. I think um, something you just mentioned I'd like to say to, uh, to officers, spouses, and their families. Mm. If you really begin to understand the purpose of your loved one that serves in this capacity every day, if you really get in touch with their purpose, you will see and know in your heart why they love it so much and are willing to sacrifice so much to do it. Because it is a divine purpose. Hmm. It is a God-given purpose. So it's not, it's not easy or, or even possible to turn it off. The Bible says that God, uh, his callings are without repentance. In other words, he never goes, well, I called you, but... I'm I having re- second thoughts. I repent for calling. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm so sorry I called you. No, his his calling is without repentance. And when he when he calls you, he doesn't change his mind. Hmm. That's why a person who is called is so driven to obey that call. They may not even know why they're driven to obey that call. They may not even know in their heart that that God, which that's what we're trying to really reveal here, is the one that made that call. They just know they're driven to do what they do. And when their family supports them, we don't understand it. We don't know why, but we know you are called. And because of that, we love you and we love the call on your life. Um, that helps them deal with some of the other more, more negative aspects of what you're doing with your life. So I think that's very important. It's a great Great place to end, but also a great place to start next time. So That's right. Appreciate you. I love you. I love everything you stand for uh, in helping our officers and, and being one yourself. And I'm very thankful for you. I love you. Nothing you can do about it. And uh, until next time, Remnant Revealed. Remnant Revealed. It's good stuff.